You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Hey there, the IU Rutgers postgame show is coming right up. Before we get to that, though, a few words about our sponsor, Comfort Option. Uh, We didn't have Assembly Call Radio last week, so they are a co-sponsor of this week's episode. And we've been talking a lot about Comfort Option this season. And you've heard me, you know, kind of use some sound drops from Megan Mahaffey, our longtime listener, uh, who also ordered from Comfort Option and was nice enough to come on and talk about it. She ordered one of their Alpha mattresses, and as she told us, has been uh, very happy with it. And, you know, one of the things when we were up in Bloomington uh, a couple weekends ago for the Michigan State game, we had dinner and Megan was there. And she was telling us that, you know, in addition to all the things that have helped, you know, in terms of her sleeping better and getting deeper sleep and just how great comfort option was in terms of the whole process making it easy she said it's also helped her husband snore less <laughs> which has been big and i was like you know that's a, that's a pretty good point we're gonna need to get a sound drop for that i think a lot of people will uh, uh will appreciate that especially people like my wife who tend to criticize me for snoring at times i was like that's probably gonna go a long way so it's another reason why you should check out comfort option of course they've got the you know at your door in your home uh, mattress uh, uh, customization where they'll actually come to you, help you customize a mattress. Or if you don't live in India or Bloomington, which is where you can get that service, you can go online to comfortoption.com, order the Alpha mattress, and they'll ship it anywhere in the United States. And to top it all off, they have a 3090 satisfaction guarantee to make sure that you love your mattress. If they don't, they'll reconstruct it or they'll just give you your money back. They want to make sure that you're satisfied and they will do pretty much whatever it takes to make sure that you are satisfied. So go to comfortoption.com, order your Alpha mattress, or schedule your in-home mattress store service today. And when you do it, use the promo code ASSEMBLY because you will get $50 off your purchase. Again, comfortoption.com, promo code ASSEMBLY for $50 off. Get the mattress that's right for you. Don't leave your sleep to chance. It is too important. Okay, now let's talk IU basketball. Here's the IU Rutgers postgame show. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call, as today your Indiana Hoosiers took care of business at home in Simon Scott Assembly Hall, dispatching the Rutgers Scarlet Scarlet Knights 89-73, moving the Hoosiers' season record to 17-14, 8-12 in conference play, and certainly making NCAA tournament conversations much more uh, reasonable (laughs) now after this four-game winning streak. We, of course, will talk about that. As we go through the show, I am your host, Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms. We're going to break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. And let's start the show the way we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And, of course, the banner moment has to touch on Jawan Morgan. It was Jawan Morgan Day today at Simon Scott Assembly Hall, the final time that he will take McCracken court. And, boy, did he save one of his best performances for last. And there are... A lot, of, a lot of moments that you could pick, but I'm going to go in the second half at the 12:28 mark. 
Romeo Langford drove toward the baseline, threw a pass kind of behind his head, kind of wrapped it around his head to Juwan Morgan, who was waiting on the right wing for a wide-open three-pointer. He drained it. It was his 10th consecutive make to begin the game. It put IU up 20, which was basically the lead that they would nurse for the rest of the game. And really, it was the dagger because, you know, Rutgers came out at the start of the second half. They actually cut it to nine at one point, and Jawan had to leave after picking up his third foul. But he came back in right after the under-16-minute timeout. He scored nine straight points, I think, for Indiana after that to push the lead from 12 to 20. And, you know, what was was interesting about it being a three-pointer, and I guess a little bit ironic making that the banner moment, is... You know, we've talked about Juwan settling for threes early in games and, you know, and missing a lot of them because he's missed a lot of threes in the second half of the season. But he didn't today. He was a man on a mission from the tip, was, you know, getting the ball inside, was six for six early in the first half to really just put Indiana on his back and, and you know, kind of uh, put his stamp on the game early on and give Indiana the lead. Didn't settle for any of those threes. But this one was a great one. He was wide open, uh, took it in the rhythm of the offense, drained it. Uh, and again, just a fantastic game. Uh, you know. And you'll remember back to the beginning of the season, Big Ten Media Day, he guaranteed that Indiana was going to go to the NCAA tournament this season. And he has certainly done everything in his power to make it happen. We'll talk as we go forward on this show about what still needs to happen for Indiana to make that a reality. But today, Juwan Morgan, his final time at home uh, was absolutely fantastic in a game that Indiana absolutely had to have. They did, and they followed their senior's lead to do it. All right, today's Hoosier Proud banner moment brought to you, as always, by our friends at Hoosier Proud and Home Field at homefieldapparel.com. You will find the comfiest and most unique licensed IU apparel available anywhere. At HoosierProud.com, you'll find great state of Indiana-themed apparel while sending 10% of your purchase to causes around Indiana, like the Hoosier Veterans Assistance Foundation. Both brands were started by an IU grad, and all Hoosier Proud and Home Field apparel is designed and printed out of Indianapolis. And with the Big Ten and NCAA tournament looming, be sure to check out Home Field's Indiana All the Way t-shirt, featuring an IU basketball design made popular during the school's championship runs. And, of course, you should check out the Bison hoodie, which both Ryan and Andy are wearing as we record this show. That was not planned. Uh, I would have worn mine, but I've got this new kind of lucky uh, outfit that I've been wearing that I started wearing four games ago. I'm not changing it. I- I'm not saying that it's making a difference. All I'm saying is I don't know, so I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to tempt fate while we're actually winning games again. Um, but you should definitely check out the Bison hoodie. Check out everything they have at homefieldapparel.com and hoosierproud.com. And, of course, don't forget to use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout for 15% off your order on either site. That's promo code ASSEMBLY at hoosierproud.com and homefieldapparel.com. All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And we will start with Andy Bottoms. Andy, your bottoms line on a successful afternoon for Indiana. Well, one of the plays that stood out to me was uh, kind of a, a vintage McRoberts play that led to what uh, what will likely be Juwan's last basket. I say that because we don't want to end up having to play other games there in the NIT, but uh, hopefully, what is hopefully Juwan's last basket in the in the uh, in Assembly Hall, which was a, a thunderous dunk off of just kind of a hustle play, like smart tip by uh, McRoberts to, to Juwan, who took it in and uh, you know, got to 25 points on today. And it was definitely, the day was uh, all about him. He came out and basically just made it clear from the, you know, from the opening. I mean, he had 12 points and five rebounds, I think, by the un- even before the under-eight timeout and, and really set the tone uh, for these guys and, and played really well. And, 
you know, when you look at it, there are some things potentially not to love defensively. The fouls were certainly a part of that. But if you look at the offensive numbers, Ken Palm updated and uh, in the last two games, IU has had its first and its third uh, best offensive efficiency performances in the last two games. So uh, I don't know what that means with this team. I'm hesitant to make any uh, sweeping conclusions of uh, corners being turned or things like that. But it's a good sign that the offense was really fluid today against a team that um, really can be pretty rugged uh, defensively and and um, it, it one that has given IU trouble defensively in the past. You know, Rutgers, even after today, is ranked 45th uh, nationally in adjusted defensive efficiency. So they haven't fared as well in Big Ten play, so that's a, a factor. But um, for a team that, you know, plays with a great deal of physicality, I thought IU responded to that for the most part, especially early um, and, and, you know, just kept throwing big bodies at them as, as best they could. But uh, a really solid performance, another good one from IU. And now they've got it off till... Thursday, they wait to see who they'll play in the Big Ten tournament. Sounds like, based on my math, it'll be Minnesota or or uh, Ohio State, and either either way, it'll be at uh, twelve thirty Eastern on Thursday afternoon. All right, over to Ryan for his opening rant after today's game. Uh, yeah, just got to give the uh, hats off to Jawan Morgan. That was a heck of a performance. I think everybody kind of sensed that he was going to get it going, and they kept feeding him. But I don't want to leave out Romeo Lankford and, and Devontae Green, who both had really nice days, too. Romeo found his way to get to the line, which he hadn't done uh, consistently this season just by driving and just get into the teeth of the defense and get fouled. You don't have to make the shot. And 8 of 10 from the free throw line uh, got him to 20 points. So a really nice job from him. He played 35 minutes. I, that shocked me. I just, it just, you know, because there, there were sections of the game where he didn't need to do anything because Juwan was dominating. Juwan had 25 points in 22 minutes. I mean, you know, so it just uh, it, it was just interesting to look up at the end of the game and see that Romeo played 35 when there were there were times where he didn't even need to be involved offensively, played great defensively, of course. Um, I, I, I want to harken back to to Juwan, though, and, and the kind of kid he is when you listen to his senior speech. He's really understated and he's, you know, joking around and, and having fun with it. But, you know, all those senior speeches were pretty short, uh, especially considering there were five guys and we were done in like a half hour. Um, a lot of these guys are understated. They're they're you know more quiet guys and and lead by example and not uh, you know with the words. But I, I will say about Juwan, I remember my first memory of him is going to be when he was interviewed when IU was having some on court or on campus problems with the team and they asked him you know is that give you are you hesitant about coming to IU and he said no it makes me want to get there faster and help change the culture and. Um, you know, he, he's been part of that. I mean, he's, he's, he's the quintessential four year college basketball player. And I remember when we were doing our uh, recruiting evaluation of him and what kind of player he was going to be, we all kind of came to the conclusion he's going to be a three, four year player who's going to be an all big 10 caliber guy when he's done, because that's his growth trajectory. And, and we wound up being right. And, and that's, that's what he is. And uh, when you look at a guy like, uh, race Thompson or Rob Finnessy or, uh, you know, just some of these other guys, you look at that growth trajectory and that's what you're projecting for them. And, and, and so you see the success that a guy like, uh, Juwan has had. And then you look at these other guys who were, who were sort of in the chamber and ready to go, um, to do that same thing. That's what they should be aiming for. And not everyone's going to be a one and done. Not everyone's going to be OGN and OB and get on, campus and you know, just be such a freak athlete that you're going to get drafted as a sophomore you can wind up having a really successful basketball career by being a four-year guy and i think Jawan morgan is going to go on to play as long as he wants to 
Um, will it be in the NBA? I think so, but who knows for how long? And he could go and play in Europe, do whatever he wants for as long as he wants. And that's a testament to Juwan, the kind of player he is, the kind of kid he is, and the kind of work he put in to get better. And uh, he was that way the day he stepped on campus and even beforehand. It, it, when you hear a kid say, I want to get there and help change the culture, you know what you're getting as a player. And and so uh, hats off to Juwan for what's been a great career. You heard him listing off how many of the top 10s he's in all time as an Indiana player. And you get in a top 10 list at Indiana, it means you did something special during your career. I don't care if it's top 10, you know, uh, deflections. To, to throw out another another coach's term, but I don't care what stat it is. If you if you get a, you get in the top ten on any list uh, at Indiana, you've had a great career. And so um, hats off to Juwan. He had a great career and he capped it off with a great performance today. Absolutely, and it, you know it's a great point that you bring up about the leadership part of it. He had a great line in the speech where he said that everybody on the team calls him Uncle Jamo, you know, because he's the one they call when they need something. He said, I love that he's one of Deron <laughs> Davis's emergency yeah. contacts. <laughs> that was such a great line. Such a great line. It's, you know, I senior day is one of those things like I have a love hate feeling about it, you know, because you love just the moments and seeing these guys give speeches, but you hate it because, you know, you know, you're not going to see these guys again. And it's it's special with guys like Juwan, guys like Yogi, guys like Robert Johnson last year when, you know, they've played so much over four years and you just you develop such a relationship with them as a fan. And that's well, that's the rewarding that's what part makes about it special. being a fan is seeing a guy like Juwan go from you know, skinny freshman who helps them win a Big Ten title to the down years and then to being the leader this year. I mean, you, the two most rewarding, uh, I mean, I'd say Juwan is certainly one, but the other most rewarding careers were a guy like Victor Oladipo who came in as a completely unheralded recruit who was bouncy and fun to watch, but, you know, kind of frustrating to superstar who should have won National Player of the Year. And then, Yogi Ferrell, who went through all the ups and downs. And and that's what's special about being a fan is getting to see those guys mature and develop over time. I mean, watching Romeo this year has been really fun, yeah. uh, but you don't have the connection to him you had to a Yogi or to uh, a, a Jawan or, or one of these other guys where they're there multiple years. And you get to see them not only physically change, but mentally and emotionally just grow up and mature and change as people. And, and that's, what's rewarding to me as a fan is seeing that maturity and, 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 you know, seeing Juwan now, he kind of always had maturity and he's always had that very white, you know, deep bass voice. Um, but he's, he's a different guy now than he was when he stepped on campus. Um, same attitude, but, but certainly a different person. Yep. Now, and, you know, plenty more to talk about with that. Getting back to the game, and we'll talk more about Juwan. We'll talk more about Romeo because I thought both of those guys were really good. But I think before we get out of this first segment, we got to talk about Devontae Green because this was another really, really good performance by him. He scored 16 points, was 6 of 8 from the field, 4 of 5 from the line, didn't have any assists, uh, but did, you know, still had a couple nice post feeds down to Duran that I remember, you know, only had one turnover. And I thought when Indiana really needed some offense, especially there at the end of the first half, when you had a lot of guys sitting with fouls, Justin Smith, Juwan Morgan, Rob Finnessy, all sitting with fouls, he really stepped up. And it continues this stretch of strong play for him where, again, I don't know what happened to turn around the attitude of Justin Smith and Devontae Green, but I'm just glad it did because it has coincided with this team playing so much better and this was another game in which, you know, the offense really led the way. And that's the second straight game where, 
you know, the defense has slipped a little bit, but you almost haven't noticed because the offense has been so good. And, and Andy, you know, you look at the numbers, Indiana's adjusted offensive efficiency is now 58th, which doesn't sound good, except when you remember that two weeks ago it was in the hundreds. I mean, that's the kind of change that this team has made offensively. And so much of it has been because Devontae Green and Justin Smith have become so much more efficient. So, uh, you know, a quieter day today for Justin, but Devontae Green, uh, you know, really just from a scoring perspective and taking care of the basketball uh, was really superb today. Yeah, he was a, a huge lift, as you said. That end of the first half stretch was really important because IU was, uh, you know, had Finnessy, Smith, and and Juwan on the bench during that stretch. He scored eight of the last 10 and 12 of the last 17 points in the half for IU. And he really, you know, steadied things when when it started to get uh, a little bit, you know, get it, when it got to get close and you were like, yeah, is, is Rutgers going to hang around? And he really kept him at arm's length over the course of that uh, that stretch toward the end of the half. And I thought for the most part, you know, the one turnover was a really uh, high degree of difficulty pass into, you know, trying to swing it into Duran in the post. But other than that, he really played smart, played under control, played good defense. He's got six steals in the last three games. Uh, and his offensive ratings over the last three games, 161, 203 against Illinois and 137 uh, today, which was uh, which was fantastic. And just a lot of big baskets uh, today and and really has played under control. So we've seen this from him in spurts um and you just hope that that it's a, a streak that could last a little bit longer than uh potentially some of the others have but he he really um really held the held the team in the game when it got close and uh allowed them to to really be able to turn to the bench i think that's what's you know been as important as anything in these last handful of games is the ability to give guys rest here and there and not have a drop off in play when when guys come in and you go back to what we said at the beginning of the season about how deep this team was going to be and you just hadn't seen it i guess in some ways you saw it because they you know you you had to see it with so many guys injured and, and banged up but i think you're starting to see again what this this staff looked forward to at the beginning of the season and and the ability to have so many guys that can step in and step up uh and i thought Devonte was a good example of that today had a really good game that will assuredly be uh you know overshadowed by how well juan played and the fact that it was his senior day but a, a good good call by you to make sure we talk about it early because he was really fantastic when it, it mattered a lot late in the first half Ryan, yeah, I look sixteen points in twenty one minutes for Devontae, and he didn't make a three. Those were, you know, shots inside three. You you can see him getting hot and hitting a couple threes and and doing that, but to to actually put in the work that he put in to get fouled, get to the line, go four or five from the free throw line, and then six of eight from the field, driving, getting inside, you know, whatever he was doing was working. And and here's the thing: is that I don't know what it was that made he and Justin Smith buy in. But that's what they did. They bought in after that Minnesota game. And, and since then, both of them have it, at the very least been steady and at best have been really good and, and have been a huge part of what Indiana is doing. Uh, <clears throat> so kudos to those guys, because those are two guys we've been harder on, uh, you know, as hard on as anybody. And they have stepped up. And, and Justin Smith, again, as you, as you mentioned, didn't have a huge day today, but five points, five rebounds, three assists. Didn't really take bad shots. He took two threes. One of them was wide open. One of them I, I didn't love. But, I mean, one bad shot in the game, I, I'm not going to get upset about that. And, and I felt like some of his misses were productive misses. When you're, when you're missing inside, you know, five feet, your, your teammates have a chance to get a rebound and, and a putback and things like that. I mean, that, that I consider that a productive miss uh, when it's not a bad shot. Three assists uh, also for him. Yeah, I mean, he was, yeah. you know, the confidence and the kind of being locked in was still there. He's moving the ball. And, 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 you know, it's not, he, when he gets the ball, you don't think, oh God, you know, and, and so like I, when I, you get the mic, 
right exactly yeah uh fans love me what are you talking about people the people have spoken many times um but no i i think that those two guys have bought in uh that along with rob finnessy returning and rob only had five points today in 24 minutes but he had four assists three rebounds knocked down a big three um you know, it, it's not necessarily always about scoring. It's about being connected to the rest of the team. And and when you say that Smith and Finnessy only had 10 points, you know, you think, eh, you know, how was, and Ron Davis only had seven. You think, eh, how, how was this game? Well, the ball moved. It was fluid. I mean, this team looked great offensively. And these guys, uh, you know, put together some really nice possessions throughout the game. Uh, getting guys open, getting good looks, and then getting the ball, feeding Juwan when he was on fire. So I, I just, I really think that the offense just looks differently since that Minnesota game. They have bought in, and and that's what it is. And that, along with Rob Finnessy coming back, has made everybody better. Yep. All right, coming up as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's victory over Rutgers, we'll point out today's meaningful moments that you might have missed, and then we will go inside the numbers to highlight some important statistical notes from this game. There's some really interesting numbers in this game. We'll talk about them. You are listening to The Assembly Call. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we are breaking down Indiana's 16-point victory over Rutgers as the Hoosiers win their fourth in a row, move to 17-14, and 14, and give, give themselves a legit fighting chance to make the NCAA tournament as we head into the Big Ten tournament. Guys, before we talk about some of the numbers, and there's some really interesting ones, let's talk about some meaningful moments folks might have missed. There's two I want to talk about right off the bat. One... You know, when it happened, I thought could be really meaningful. Fortunately, it didn't end up being too bad for Indiana, but there was a stretch early in the second half. And I thought it was so important early in the second half that Indiana get off to a good start. Don't give Rutgers hope because they can ugly up a game, you know, get it in foul trouble, and they can, you know, just kind of hang around until the end. They're not going to go away. You have to put them away. And Indiana had a chance to put him away early. It was 50-38. Rob got a wide-open three-pointer, missed it. On the next possession in transition, Justin Smith got a wide-open dunk. Well, it wasn't wide open. There was a guy right there, but he still should have made it. It was a great pass by Romeo in transition. He missed it. Should have gone up with two hands, went up with one. And, you know, it was five points that you could have had that would have made it a 17-point lead. We didn't get him. Rutgers goes down, gets an offensive rebound, scores, and it's 50-40 to with 17.05 to go. And I thought, all right. We may be in for a dogfight. What changed was Juwan Morgan got back in the game and absolutely took over and extended the lead back to 20, which I talked about in the banner moment. So this did not end up hurting Indiana. They ended up having the hammer, but that was one of those stretches. You know, it's kind of the thing that Indiana has been missing a little bit offensively this year, which is the guy to step up and hit the big three when you can go on a run. You know, you got to have that dunk. But again, they were able to overcome that. So it didn't end up being too big of a deal today. The one that I want to focus on is going back to the first half, about 10 and a half minutes left in the first half. And there was, I think there was a deflection. And so the ball is kind of rolling around about 30 feet from the basket. And both Race Thompson and Deron Davis dove on the floor for the ball. I think Deron ended up being the one to get it. Um, and, and on that possession, like race was, you know, battling for position and didn't let Rutgers enter the ball into the post because he was playing such tough physical defense. And, it, you know, anyway, so he denies the pass. Duran ends up getting on the floor to get the loose ball. We get it. And what I loved about that play, Ryan, 
And what I think is, you know, one of the biggest differences between this Rutgers game and the last one is when you have two big physical guys who come in and play hard for every second that they're on the court, which Duran and Race do, it just infuses your team with an added attitude and added size and physicality and just the ability to withstand some foul trouble from Jawan Morgan, which is one of the things that we couldn't do during the losing streak. So there's a long list of reasons why Indiana is playing better now. It should not go unnoticed the importance of Duran and Race and how physical they play, how hard they play, and the attitude they bring because it almost always seems to give Indiana kind of an emotional lift when they come in and they help the Hoosiers absorb foul trouble to Justin and Juwan. So I just I thought that play was indicative of what those two guys bring to the floor. Yeah, and you look at Ray's Thompson today. He took two threes. One was a force late in the shot clock, uh, and one was an in-rhythm three that, quite frankly, I think next year he's going to make. But his shot is just so off from missing so much time. It takes you a long time to sort of rebuild things. I'm glad he felt comfortable taking it. I though. agree. It shows that he's a little bit more comfortable on the court, yeah, which I like. I agree. Uh, but he had three rebounds in 11 minutes. And and yeah, with a guy like Grace Thompson and a guy like Deron Davis on the floor, you're not going to get pushed around. And, and that's the thing is Indiana was pushed around throughout uh, Big Ten play in, in January and February. They were just shoved around and they were beaten up. And Jawan Morgan, God love him, as he said in his senior speech, he hates that this this you know coaching staff makes him play the five. And there's a reason he's undersized for that position, but he's so good finishing around the hoop. That's where you want him. Uh, but you know, to have a guy like Reese, to have a guy like Deron Davis, to, to be able next year, when a guy puts some pounds on a guy like Jake Forrester, uh, or maybe even Clifton Moore, if he, if he's able to put on some weight and, and, and get in the game more, uh, you're not going to get beaten up. And, and, and if you look at that Minnesota game, what happened to Indiana was they got beaten up and, and, and just got absolutely shoved around and outmanned at every position. You're not going to get that when Deron Davis and and Reese Thompson are being effective, and you've got Juwan Morgan, and you've got you know, look, uh, say what you want about Devontae Green being small, but he's a tough guy, and and, and you got Al Durham, who's a guy who's just going to get in your face and and defend you a certain way and use his length to um, to harass your shots. And I mean, so when you go up and down that lineup, you're looking at a group of guys, and even Rob Finnessy, to a degree, is not going to get phased by a guy bumping him or, or tough play. He's just a steady player. And so it's a different makeup of this team than it was a few weeks ago. And, and um, when you have guys who can give you effective minutes who aren't going to get shoved around and aren't going to be sort of cowed by the moment, it, it really changes the entire makeup of your team. And that's what we're seeing from Indiana. I mean, I mean, let's dial back and look at what's happened here. They've won four straight. They're quite frankly playing as well as anybody in the Big Ten right now. Uh, I, I mean, they've beaten, they took Purdue down to the wire and lost by two at home. One bounce goes another way. They can win that game. Uh, they swept Michigan state. I mean, there is not a, a team right now. They can't beat in the big 10. Obviously they'll get their chance to prove that next week, uh, or this week. Um, I don't know, uh, matchup wise, if there are certain teams I don't want to face, that's probably true. And I'm not going to say them on the air because I know that's how we're going to wind up playing them. But, uh, I, I just think that right now this team has turned a corner and it's turned a corner because it's not getting pushed around because the team is connected like it was early in November and December when they were playing like a unit. If you look back and, and I've gone back, I, I rewatched the Marquette game. The offense was moving like it is now and, and, and things were getting open and guys were working and playing together and connected the way they are now. That just got lost for a while, and and it's it's inexcusable that it got lost, and and 
you know, there are reasons for it and all that stuff. And, it, and it, but we're past that now. We're at a point where these guys are playing really well and trying to earn their way into the tournament. And so far, kudos to these guys for playing their tails off. They could have mailed in the season after Minnesota, and they did not. They have turned this around by playing harder, playing smarter, and just believing in and relying on each other. And and it's really worked. Yeah, two two quick things here on on those. Um, one of the things Archie said in the post game was, "We're not so restricted with our lineup anymore. I feel like our bench has has really been a good boost here in the last four or five games." I mean, that speaks to what you said, and Ryan, and then um, Jared, that that stretch you mentioned in the second half also coinc well one it coincided with when IU really blew the game open, finally pushed the lead up to twenty. Uh, it was it was funny. I was sitting there at home with my with my younger daughter, and we were watching the game. I was like, "If they can find a way to push this to 20, you know, they had gotten it to fourteen and couldn't do it or whatever." Well, she's meanwhile like counting how many more points they got to get to get it to twenty. And actually, uh, it actually went pretty quickly during that stretch, and it actually um, you know coincided with IU's best defensive stretch of the second half um, before Rutgers scored exclusively on free throws for a lengthy period of time. But um, you know, you talked about that stretch where Justin missed the dunk. There was a turnover up in the next possession after that. Romeo got a free throw. Um, and then Al hit a scored a three-point play. Romeo missed inside. Finnessy made that three off of a good kick out from Romeo. Juwan had an and one. Uh, Justin missed that three that was, you know, not a great, uh, not necessarily a great shot. Juwan had another and one. Then Juwan made that three that you talked about. I mean, that stretch right there, IU had 15 points in, uh, I think, seven possessions, maybe six or seven possessions, and really only allowed during the same stretch. Uh, I think Rutgers scored twice in, you know, eight, nine or 10 uh, possessions as well. So that was really the stretch that blew the game open and, you know, started with a couple of timely plays. And I'm sure we'll get to Al, but I thought that was a good drive and uh, a good take from him. I thought he was better going to the basket today than he had been in the past. Yeah, I thought Al Durham, man, he scored nine tough points today. I mean, he he got battered to the ground, made his free throws. He was five for five. I, it was nice to see him, I thought, really being smartly aggressive, not overly so. I thought maybe like, you know, his first drive of the game was probably a little bit early. I don't think Archie liked it. But other than that, I thought he was really smartly and uh, smartly aggressive and really tough all game long. Let's go inside the numbers. A lot of interesting numbers today. You know, Indiana has been a team that when they have scored well, it typically has coincided with really good shooting nights from three-point range. Today, Indiana, 4 of 18 from downtown. So not making the threes, 22%. I mean, it's been an issue all season long. But, you know, I thought they didn't force a lot of the threes. I mean, I thought a lot of those came out of the offense. Where they really did the work was the free throw line. 23 of 29 from the line, 79% as the Hoosiers continue to get, you know, better and better uh, making their free throws. And the big number that jumps out from an offensive standpoint Six turnovers. You know, it's amazing what happens, Andy, when the ball moves and you've got all your guys and you've got chemistry and you're just not turning it over. I mean, you just, you get more shots that way. You get more not attempts at the basket. Passes. Yeah, you know, and just, you know, and, and yes, you know, Rob Finnessy obviously is a steadying presence, but guys who have been erratic their whole careers like Devontae Green, not doing it anymore. You know, not trying to make some of the crazy passes. You know, the one guy who did try to make kind of a crazy pass was Al Durham when he threw that little like alley-oop type thing to Devontae, which was kind of an ill-advised pass, but Devontae got it, somehow made it. So, you know, Indiana's ability to take care of the ball has really been huge for the offensive efficiency because the Hoosiers aren't going to get a lot of efficiency from behind the line, so they have to do it by limiting mistakes and playing to their strengths. And when they're reducing turnovers like they are, it really allows them to do that. Yeah, if you look over the last few games, the 8.6 turnover percentage, and it's worth pointing out, one of the turnovers was when Johnny Jager basically ran the shot clock out at the end of the game. So really only five when it actually mattered. 
Um, so the number is even better than, than what you said. Uh, 8.6 turnover percentage this game, 10.5 the last one, 13.4, 16.7 against Wisconsin. Even most of the others, 15.5 against Iowa. Uh, you know, the Purdue game was was bad because that was, you know, rip your eyes out, you know, watching that uh, from an offensive standpoint. But, um, uh, you know, really have taken good care of the ball. That was something else that Archie mentioned uh, after the game. And, and you touched on the three-point shoot. And the inverse of that was how well they shot from two. They were 27 of 40, which is 67.5% on twos, 13 of 19 from two in the second half. Like uh, early you, in the season again. Yeah, and as you said, shot the ball really well um, in the uh, from the free throw line, had 48 points in the paint, so that speaks uh, a lot to that two-point percentage um, in, in those big numbers. So that's, I think, 100 points in the paint over the last two games. I think it was 52 against Illinois. So um, they're was, uh, yeah. they're making it easy on themselves, and exactly what that's you said. That's how they won early in the year, though. Absolutely it is, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it is. Uh, the the number for me was was the uh, the bench points uh, twenty five. I know Rutgers at thirty one, but IU had twenty five. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago we were getting six points from the bench in a game, four points, two points, and, and now that you move Devonte Green to the bench, uh, you've got some scoring there. Deron Davis starting to come through more from the bench. Evan Fitzner had a head uh, layup today. I mean, you're just getting more from those guys, and and it eases pressure. Uh, offensively when other guys have to go out because of foul trouble or just for rest, you don't have these dead periods that you had anymore because you've got effective guys who've started before on the bench. Um, and then, you know, again, a guy like race Thompson comes in and just kind of creates some havoc for you. That opens some things up. Uh, it just feels like a more connected team uh, starters, bench, bench players, whatever. These guys are all in there to contribute. And and that's what's, that's part of the change. Um, also, I, I thought, uh, where is the, uh, yeah, fast break points. We we won that battle again, 14-7. It's not a whole lot of fast break points, but you win the battle on fast break points. It means you're getting back on defense, and it means that you're taking advantage of the opportunities when they're there. You know, on, on the negative side, Andy, you know, Rutgers scores 1.123 points per possession, which isn't great, you know, because they're not a great offensive team. And it's the second straight game that... Indiana's defense hasn't been quite as strong against an offense that isn't as great. You know, today it wasn't three-point shooting. Indiana, for the most part, did a good job defending the three-point line. Only gave up 14 attempts, you know, in a game where Rutgers needed to shoot threes to come back. You know, outside of, I thought, a couple of lapses early in the game, Indiana really tightened up its three-point coverage uh, in the second half. But you gave up 30 free throws, and Rutgers made 23 of them. And that's where a lot of the scoring was. So, you know, I'm... I'm only, I'm like slightly concerned about the defense very very slightly the last two games. You know, it's almost like because the offense is better, they're playing with a little less desperation on defense because they don't have to, you know, just to like stay in games. So, and, and I think that's fine because the net gain of obviously the offense has just, you know, has has taken this team's play just to the next level. But I also today like I don't know that there's a lot to be concerned about just because like the game flow and the way it was being called I mean, they went from the first five minutes of the game not calling any fouls to, like, calling 50 fouls over the rest of the game. And when Rutgers does so much of their damage from the free throw line and there were so many questionable calls, it's like, all right, you know, look, we'll see what kind of defense this team brings to the Big Ten tournament. They've ridden the back of their defense to this stronger play. So I'm not as concerned about the defense as you might be when you see 1.123 points per possession given up to Rutgers simply because of how the game flow went. Yeah, I think the the free throws are such a big part of that. There was a while that Rutgers didn't score. I mean, basically every possession was either a turnover or shooting free throws for like a 10-possession stretch at one point in the second half. And 
it, it, with some of that stuff, it's it, to me, it's just kind of how the game is called. As you said, there weren't any fouls for the first, I think about 540. And then over the next 26 minutes, there was 40 fouls called. I, I just don't, at that point, you really can't establish any kind of rhythm on either end of the floor. And so, so to me, that's not super alarming. I think the one area that IU did really well with against, well, did poorly with against Rutgers in the first game, did well to start the game. Uh, and then struggled a little bit as the game went on, was allowing um, some second chance points and offensive rebounds. That, that to me was a more alarming area. Although part of that is just how physical Rutgers is and the size that they have inside, uh, and and the relative lack of size that IU has, um, you know, up front outside of what Duran would bring. So I think if there's something to be concerned about, I'm less concerned about the fouling uh, and more so about that. I will say it looks like for now I use uh, free throw defense despite allowing. Uh, 76.7% from the line today. It does appear that IU still owns the number one free throw defense in the nation. So, can finish the regular season at number one, baby. 5.6% over oh. Alabama AM. So, man, yeah. Hanging tough. Everybody really going to be watching that SWAC tournament to see if uh, how Alabama AM's free throw defense is, see if we can hold on. By the way, just yeah. so everybody's clear, we talk about that ironically. People sometimes tweet me like we're like we're saying that seriously, like yeah. they're playing good free throw defense. It is we're a idiots joke. for a lot of reasons, but that isn't one of them. Yeah. Just to be clear, it's a joke. Uh, yeah, I think when you look at 48 fouls called in this game, you're going to get a lot of free throws. And, and here's the thing. You look at the second half stats. Rutgers was 10 of 25 from the field. That's 40%. They were one of six from three, which is 16.7%. But they were 16 of 20 from the free throw line. Uh, so they got 16 points there. And, and so I, I do think that it's hard also when you're up big to sell out defensively. I don't know. They, they, I can hear the people saying, now. you should sell out defensively on every play. Well, when you're up big, you don't want to risk fouling. You don't want to risk, you know, doing anything that's going to cause it. If a guy gets a wide open layup and you're up 20, just let him have it. You don't have, you don't want to risk a three point play and potentially giving them some momentum. I mean, you know, it, it's, guys do get lost in a game sometimes. I felt like that happened a little bit at Illinois too. Uh, guys just kind of got lost in the game and, and they're ready to, you're ready to run out on offense before you complete your box out, you know, your block out on defense. It, it, again, it's, it's not excusable, but it happens and we all know it happens. So let's, you know, you kind of don't feel as bad about it. I mean, we're scoring 90 points or 89 points. You don't feel as bad. Now, in you just don't want to get in bad habits. That's I, I completely agree with you. But in a game where the game flow is different, I don't think this team's going to have a problem turning on the defense. We've seen them do it against two better teams yeah. in, in Wisconsin and uh, Michigan State and and really, you know, sort of nutting up defensively and, and getting it done. And uh, that's, you know, that's what matters to me. It doesn't matter uh, how they played against Rutgers in the second half, and and especially when they're shooting that many free throws. I mean, Rutgers uh, hit seven free throws in the first half, and made sixteen in the second. Um, I mean, yeah. IU you know got twenty nine free throws of their own, so we, we can't really complain uh, about that disparity. It just get, game flow wise, it was kind of a tough game to watch at times. So it was uh, equally ugly on both on both yeah, sides for, for sure. It just seemed like every possession for a while they were just blowing the whistle. And again, an early game on a Sunday, you're going to get some sloppiness. But instead of having sloppiness with turnovers in this one, you had sloppiness on the on the fouls. And and I thought a lot of them 
you know, were legit calls. It's just kind of, it's the big 10, let them play was kind of the, attitude. that's how Rutgers wants to play. So, I mean, yeah. to a certain extent, you've got to get that under control. Yeah. So, uh, and they never really did today. I mean, the, the, the officials never really got them to stop that. Uh, I, I will say Andy was, was mentioning the, the second chance points. That was really my only concern from the game today. Uh, but that's just what Rutgers does. They're an offensive rebounding team. They'll go get offensive yeah. rebounds. Uh, Let me add some context out, to that because they got you by four too. Well, and they got 11 offensive rebounds, which you look at and you can be like, that's not good. And there were a couple of times where, you know, Indiana just had some slippage in its focus on the defensive glass, you know, sure. some poor blockout technique. But Rutgers still rebounded fewer than 30, less than 30% of their misses. And for the season, they rebound 33.5% of their misses. They're one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country. So it wasn't good. I'm sure Archie's going to be frustrated by some of them. But we still that's all they worked on last night, he said. Yeah, but you know, you still basically took one of Rutgers' biggest strengths and held them to less than what they normally do. So it's particularly you know, in the in the first half when yeah. IU seemed to dominate the boards for about the first ten minutes, and that's when they got out to their lead. You know, and and so yeah. uh, it felt like in the second half, Rutgers got back to doing what they wanted to do, but it was too late at that point. I thought. Yep. Okay. Uh, as we move forward here on the assembly call, we continue our breakdown of Indiana's victory over Rutgers. We've got several other topics to discuss. We need to talk a little bit more about Juwan's game, a little bit more about Romeo, and then uh, what we alluded to earlier, the strong game from Al Durham, another good game from Rob. We'll discuss all of that and more. Stick with us on the assembly call. listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. And while you're there, make sure you sign up for the free IU Hoops email newsletter that we send out. Over 6,000 of your fellow IU fans are subscribed. It'll make you a smarter and more well-informed IU basketball fan. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. We're breaking down Indiana's 16-point victory over Rutgers. Guys, let's hit you know some of the storylines from this game that we haven't really talked about yet. I want to talk a little bit more about uh, Romeo Langford here to start, Andy, because you know if this is his last you know time playing at Simon Scott Assembly Hall, and I think we all agree that the only chance that he would play at Simon Scott Assembly Hall again is for an unfortunate NIT home game. Uh, but I thought it was a really strong performance for him. Twenty points. I thought he did a nice job rebounding with six rebounds, two assists. I thought he played tough defense. You know, he was matched up on Ron Harper for a lot of the day, who really played well against Indiana last time. And Harper made some plays, had a few rebounds, but overall was four for 10, only eight points. You know, and there was an offensive rebound late in the first half that I thought just really showed some of the growth in Romeo, some of the toughness. You know, this was not a pretty game for Romeo, but I feel like maybe even a few weeks ago, you know, you think back to that Purdue game, the first game at Purdue, which was kind of a tough game. And, and, and he didn't really respond to that well, started forcing shots, you know, didn't really get much going. And today, you know, even though it was tough for him to get clean looks, I thought after kind of a slow start, which is typical for him, he likes to ease his way into games, he really asserted himself, got himself to the free throw line, played tough defense, rebounded. And so, you know, if this was his last game at Simon Scott Assembly Hall, it was a good way for him to go out because he really played a strong game. And I think it shows that he's really maturing here as we as we end his freshman year. And, and, and we're seeing what we thought we'd see, you know, in a game like this where he and Juwan lead, you've got a lot of good role players doing their thing, uh, you know, around them. And that's the ticket for this team to make some noise in the Big Ten tournament and in potentially the NCAA tournament moving forward. 
Yeah, I did think he, it was a little bit of a slow start. I also just think Juwan was playing so well um, that I don't want to say he didn't need to, but I think there were fewer opportunities for that at the beginning. He was the last of the five starters to score, and I don't think he took a shot yep. till I think just under the 12-minute mark. But uh, I thought what he showed in the beginning of the second half where they basically isolated him and tried to get him in the post, he got fouled. Uh, he ended up shooting, I think, five free throws in the second half. I thought he he was better at driving for the most part in the second half than he was at times in the first and especially given the way that this game was being being called, we can lament that as much as we want, but you've got to adjust a little bit to how the game's being called and, and really try to attack. And I thought there were times late in the first half where they got away from that a little bit, uh, and Devontae bailed him out with a couple of big shots. But uh, overall, I thought a solid performance. He showed some flashes defensively of, uh, you know, had a nice block shot, at least one, um, where, he, where he played well that way. And uh, I thought really played within the flow of the game overall. Um, you know, picked his spots, asserted himself where he needed to, and is turning into um, a, a. You know, we've seen the the progression in the three point shooting, but uh, had a couple really nice ones in catch and shoot situations today that were yeah. really good in rhythm. You're starting to see him get some more confidence there, which is, uh, which is a good thing. And another solid performance from him from the free throw line is, you know, his percentage is, you know, he's eight for ten today, has continued to creep up to where it's, uh, you know, seventy two percent right now. And if you think about where that was at the beginning, and people were a little bit worried about that, so. He's uh, he's done a lot of work there and really improved in that regard as well. Yeah, you know, and I think Ryan, you know, to to continue this about Romeo and Jawan, you know, because you've been someone who, you know, when Indiana has struggled, has really wanted those two guys to assert themselves. And, and I think one of the things that we've seen from Jawan is like Romeo, he sometimes likes to ease himself into games, you know. And I think part of this is a bad habit that he got into when Indiana's bench was so thin and he couldn't pick up fouls. You know, it's almost like he kind of tried to relax a little bit early, not pick up fouls. Let me just get through the first six, eight minutes of the game, but he wouldn't be as aggressive rebounding. Wouldn't be as aggressive offensively. And maybe part of that too, is just the emphasis of the offense early in the game. You know, today the emphasis was really to get it to him and he was great, you know, because, you know, just as recently as the Michigan state game. And even in the Illinois game, I thought he really struggled early in the game. This is what you want to see from him where you come out on a mission from the tip, set the tone, and then let the other guys, yeah, let the other guys kind of start filling in around. So, you know, time will tell if this was kind of a one-day thing because it was senior day, and, you know, we'll have to see how he approaches the Big Ten tournament game. But, man, this is the template for this team. You know, establish him early, do it in both halves, because that seems to me like when Indiana's at their best in terms of how they start halves is when they play through him. And, you know, I know he got into some foul trouble today, but, you know, now you've got more of a bench to kind of absorb that. So, man, just whatever minutes you're out there, go for it now. Because Duran can come in, Race can come in. If you do happen to pick up fouls, try not to, but be aggressive from the tip because it really changes the complexion of Indiana's team at the start of games when Juwan plays like this. Yeah, and, and certainly I think that that has to be. And we were talking about it when they were struggling that maybe they just needed to throw the ball, you know, set up whatever they could, just get him the ball early in games and get them off on the right foot because they were having these slow starts. And and that was, you know, they're getting down 10 points before the first media timeout and then not being able to recover. And, you know, they'd have those long lulls. And then over the rest of the game, they'd play even with the team, but they'd be starting that down 10 essentially is essentially giving yourself a 10 point deficit to start the game. Uh, so, yeah, I think that, that getting him the ball, getting him some cross screens and getting him open on the block with a guy on his back is the way to go. Uh, but certainly, you know, that's not just on Juwan. There's guys that need to set screens and, and get him open and make sure they get him the ball when he does flash open. And they did that today. And, and even, you know, Devonte green had his one turnover trying to force, 
you know, a pass into Juwan. Now it was an ill-advised pass, but if you're turning the ball over because you're trying to get the ball to your best player in the position he does the best at, I'll be okay with that. I mean, as long as you're not throwing that pass seven or eight times, if you're throwing that once and the guy might be a little bit over the top, okay, I'm fine with that turnover because you're doing the right thing. You're trying to get the ball to the guy in the right spot. Um, about Romeo, though, I think that, yeah, this is this is what we've got to see from Romeo is, is even when the defense is set, be aggressive because you could get a foul and you could get to the line. And he's been shooting the ball so well from the line lately. We saw it against Michigan State a few times. He just went right at the defense, just went right into the teeth, teeth of the defense and got fouled. And, uh, you know, five of 12 from the field today, two of four from three. I thought I thought uh, three of his threes were really good shots. Uh, one, I thought he kind of forced it. It was a step back. Um, but five of 12 from the field, you know, I don't mind him having a bad day from the field if he's being aggressive like that and because he's going to make up for it at the line. And, and that's what he did today. And, and so uh, with Romeo, yeah, I think he's got to realize, look, you only have a certain amount of time left to impress scouts. Let's let's go get him. You know, let's go attack and attack and attack. And, you know, in this league, I, I don't know if there's anybody who one on one can guard him straight up. Now, when the rest of the team helps out, that's when you got to keep your head up and make some passes. And today, I thought also he passed up what I think a couple weeks ago he would have taken as a three and moved the ball along to Rob Finnessy and Finnessy knocked down the three. And, and I thought that was just a heightened awareness from Romeo. Yeah. You're starting to see it. He's moving the ball. He's not, you know, and maybe this is, you know, a, a lack of pressure on him as other guys are stepping up. But, you know, a couple weeks ago, he would he would have fired that shot. And, uh, and and it was nice to see him just kind of move the ball down the line to get the guy with the, the better look to get it. So uh, kudos to both of those guys, Romeo and Juwan. Again, as you mentioned, I was hard on them early in the year about attacking and finding their spots. And it's it's not always on them, but sometimes when you get the ball with 15 seconds left on the shot clock and nothing's going offensively, you just have to attack and, and, and make something happen. And that's why you're there. So uh the last couple of games, they really they haven't really had to do that because a lot of guys have been helping out and they're getting their opportunities more in rhythm and more inside the flow of the offense. So uh, hopefully we continue to see that as we move forward because this team does not look like a team that's done. This this team no. looks like a team that is that is ready to make a move. They look like they were reborn and are just ready to ready to play forever. You know, and I think a big part of that is and a big part of the offensive you know explosion that we've seen is being able to be multi-dimensional offensively you know you're not just playing through Juwan and Romeo you're not just hoping for a rare good shooting game you've got a lot of different guys going and today Andy you know Indiana got Al Durham going again it's the first time since all the way back in the Ohio State game when he had an offensive rating of 100 or better I mean, he's really been struggling to be efficient offensively. And a big part of it today is, you know, didn't force any shots, as we talked about, was tough driving to the basket. You know, he used the game flow to his advantage, I thought, which is, all right, I'm going to go. They're calling this. Let me get fouled. I know how to sell contact, (laughs) you know, when I get fouled going to the basket. And he did. And that kid is tough as nails. I mean, he takes some hits. And I know... Okay, I think that part of his issue being consistent offensively is his fingers have been bothering him since he got hurt in that Michigan State game. You know, he's got that splint on there, and I'm fairly certain that's been a part of the issue. He'll never say it, but I'm fairly certain that's been a part of the issue, you know, that he's kind of been going through and why his shooting has been a little bit inconsistent. But I thought we saw him today get back to doing what he's best at, which is going to the bucket and drawing contact. And in a lot of his better offensive games, you see him getting three, four, five free throw attempts. And it, it adds another layer. You know, when you've got, you know, Devontae and, and 
you know, playing better and Duran healthy and Rob Finnessy back, you don't necessarily need Al scoring 11, 12 points every single game. But for him to be a guy that can reliably get you 8, 9, 10 and, you know, do it at a high efficiency like he did today, that really helps Indiana's offense because you know you're going to get tough defense from him. So, you know, he's been a little bit up and down. This was a big game for him today, I thought, and hopefully a sign of things to come because he really you know, you look at all the things that can take Indiana from kind of being where they were and become not just a team that can make a tournament, but make some noise, having a guy like him as a fourth, fifth option who can do some things, you know, that really makes you multidimensional offensively. It, yeah. I, I, it's, you look back at his game log and, and like you said, there's a pretty strong correlation between the number of free throws he takes and how effective he really was in the game. Now, obviously because he's a reasonably good free throw shooter, that stands to reason that you're going to score well if you get to the line and you shoot it well. But um, I, I think it just shows the aggressiveness that you want to see from him. And I think for the most part, he was able to be effectively aggressive. Uh, and and so I think uh, today, as you said, he really looked at how the game was being called, took advantage of what was going on, and 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 uh, and got to the line five times, made all five, shot well from the free throw line against Illinois as well. And I think one of his threes was halfway down and came out. I don't remember the second one, but um, you know, that's one of the areas that he struggled a little bit. And I think you can see he overshot uh, his other one. It was, yeah. I think it was one of the ones that was way long uh, yeah, it was early, either but, an air ball or back rim uh, yeah. and kept going. Yeah. The other one rattled in and out. So, you know, he's two of his last 10 from three. Uh, so those are things that you want to see him get, uh, get sorted out. But I, I, I agree, Jared, it probably has at least something to do with, uh, you know, the injury he had in the Michigan State game because uh, really after that, his free throw shooting or his three point shooting has, uh, has struggled. But uh, it was a good, it was a good balance game for him. And I think you've got a good rotation of, of guards now. If he continues to play that way and if uh, Devontae plays the way that he has, um, you've really got, you know, those, those three in the back, backcourt plus Romeo that gives you um, some, some guys with different looks and can do some different things. And, and Rob today was, uh, you know, the fouls really, I kind of, I feel like took him out of the rhythm of the game. Uh, early, not necessarily that he even played poorly, um, but just didn't get to play as much. And, and Devontae really stepped up for him today, but still had four assists in 24 minutes, uh, which is certainly a good number. Hit the, you know, stepped into the three and knocked it down that we talked about. But I just thought it was a game that, you know, get really got out of his rhythm um, and, and played smarter as the game went on defensively and ended up with only three. But uh, the second foul he got, I think Jess Sells mentioned it was just kind of a silly one um, because you know, he just got tangled up with somebody inside kind of threw his hands up and, uh, did the, the old, uh, well, I'm going to throw my hands up to make it look like I didn't do anything, which makes it look like you did do something <laughs> kind of went from there. So yeah. it was a, uh, a, you know, kind of an up and down game from him, but he's certainly been more good than bad. And I thought all those guys did a really good job at disrupting geo Baker, who, uh, who we have terrible memories of from the big 10 tournament last year. Um, but I thought they really got into him and made it made his life difficult, made him take some tough shots. Even one of the threes he did make in the first half was just a, you know, almost fall away step back as the shot clock ran out. So I do think defensively those guys have, have brought it. It's just a matter of, um, you know, who who's going to be the one picking up the offensive slack on any given night. Yeah. And, you know, Ryan, again, you know, those two guys plus Romeo and Devante, who do the majority of the ball handling for Indiana, three total turnovers between them, which is, you know, just shows their decision making and their poise on that end. Well, when Al is uh, at his best is when he swings it through off a reversal and just goes to the rim. And, and that's what you saw today. And he was willing to get fouled. And uh, yeah, I, I think that, you know, with Al, when he's being aggressive like that, it, it's, 
he's so athletic and he's you know i hate this term but he's sneaky athletic like you look at him and you know he's got the long arms and everything like that but he also has some explosion that you don't see all the time out of him and um so yeah getting to the line and i feel comfortable with him at the line i mean i really do he's a guy who knocks down shots he just does and you know if al durham's getting you nine points it's a good day and and he's certainly capable of getting up to like 15 16 but he's getting you nine you know the offense is working because it means he's getting driving lanes yep or reversals and open shots so yeah okay uh coming up in our final segment we hand out our game ball that'll be an easy one uh we'll hit some other storylines and of course we will talk to andy about bracketology what does this do for indiana what needs to happen for them to make a tournament that's next on the assembly call stick with us Listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we are wrapping up our breakdown of Indiana's 16-point victory over Rutgers as the Hoosiers move to 17 and 14, 8 and 12 in the conference, and secure a bye in the Big Ten tournament. The Hoosiers will play on Thursday in the 8-9 game. We still have to wait and see who they will be playing. But gentlemen, this brings us to the point in the show when we hand out our game balls, and this is another one where there are so many reasonable options because a lot of guys had good games, but I'm fairly certain we're all going in the same direction. My game ball is going to Juwan Morgan for the way he started the game, for the way that he put Indiana on his back in the second half when you know it felt like Rutgers might be ready to make a run, and he just ended any thoughts of that. It was one of the best performances of his career that came in a big spot, and a uh, huge tip of the cap to Juwan Morgan for a great game today and a great career as a Hoosier. Uh, Andy, who's getting your game ball today? Yeah, definitely, Juwan, for me. It's, uh, you know, one of the things we didn't talk about in the opening was it's it's great to see him, you know, play basketball so well, but just seems to be uh, a, a really interesting young man to, uh, you know, to follow and to look at. There are a couple of really good stories about him, uh, one by Zach Osterman and one by, uh, I think Mike Miller had the one in the Herald Times that talked yeah. about both his, uh, you know, military upbringing and then his uh, his older brother um, was in the Herald Times one. Really, really good stuff. Just really a, a great showing of his maturity and, and who he is as a person, which is uh, we, we don't get to see as much as we might you know like to or want to because we follow these guys so much as basketball players. But Archie had another good quote about him, so I'll throw this in here. I think the one thing about Juwan is he's an adult. From very early on, he's been a mature guy. He's so coachable when it comes to asking him to do what other guys don't want to do, he does it. At the end of the day, he's become a very, very quality leader. So uh, on a day when your coach does something like that and you score 25 points in 22 minutes, uh, hard to give the game ball to anybody else. Ryan? Yeah, it's Jawan. Come on, guys. Uh, there's no suspense here. I, I no. think uh, hat, hat tips have to go to Romeo Langford, who I thought uh, really did a great job kind of closing the game down with his free throw shooting and and with just kind of commanding it. And Devontae Green for having the best game we've seen from him in a while. Um you know, he's been playing better, but certainly offensively to go six of eight from the field, four or five from the free throw line and be very engaged. And also, you know, one thing I saw from Devontae when he came out of the game, I remember a couple of weeks ago, some people pointed out that maybe he had some fake enthusiasm when he came out of the game and, and uh, Archie didn't take kindly to that. Today, he came out of the game, he slapped five with everybody on that, was smiling, was seemed to be just having fun. And and that's the thing about these last four games. These guys are enjoying themselves. And um, you know, it's easy to enjoy watching guys enjoy themselves, you know, in, in this, uh, you know, in this forum and, and uh, getting to watch, you know, 
Juwan Morgan all smiles on his senior day was certainly rewarding to all of us, I think. Um, so 25 points, seven rebounds, and that's while battling foul trouble. Uh, hit a three, two of two from the free throw line, and and to do all that in just 22 minutes, yeah, that that's that's a Juwan Morgan game ball certainly, and uh, he deserved it. And uh, you know, game ball for the career too. The guy's been amazing, and and uh, uh, while I hope we don't see him play another home game at IU again, uh, because that would mean that uh, things don't work out as far as the NCAA tournament is concerned. Um, you know, it's sad to see him leave that court and 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 you know, not be headed back onto it. So uh, let's go win some games in the Big Ten tournament, get this guy in the in the NCAA tournament and, uh, you know, to cap off his career the right way. Also, a quick honorable mention to Zach McRoberts, who played four minutes, had two rebounds and assists, saved several possessions for Indiana, just more Zach McRoberts things. And we're going to miss that next year. I mean, he has battled injuries this year, so he hasn't been you know, the lockdown defender that he was last year. But man, that guy, just in terms of leadership by example and what he's meant in the transition from Tom Crean to Archie Miller has been huge. And, you know, we didn't talk about him a lot today. I haven't talked about him a lot on recent shows, but he's really going to be missed. And I thought he showed today in just four minutes a lot of the reasons why he's going to be missed because he's not always the guy who gets the bucket, not always the guy who gets the assist, but sometimes he's the guy that saves the possession to even give you a chance to score. And you need guys like that. Ultimate glue guy. Uh, so we'll miss Zach McRoberts as well. All and right, I Andy. Did, I did think it was funny during his uh, senior speech where he said, where he, where he mentioned the trainers and thanked them and then said, boy, I really wish I hadn't spent so much time with you guys this year. But yeah, um, I mean, it's true. You know, so Zach really obviously not the senior year he expected, but um, stuck with it. And he's always going to be one of those guys we look back on fondly. All right, Andy. The only reason people are still listening is because they want to hear from you. Uh <laughs> bracketology stuff. So, you know, the questions you started getting questions after the Wisconsin win, when it still seemed a little bit, <laughs> a little bit ridiculous to be asking them. And the idea was always, okay, look, Indiana's got to win out in the regular season. Indiana won out 17 and 14. You know, we've talked before, you probably got to get to 18 to have a real chance. 19, you feel really good about it in terms of wins. What needs to happen now in the big 10 tournament and what has maybe happened around Indiana on the bubble that has shifted things at all over the last few days. Yeah, I think one of the things that is hard to convey is that this is going to feel like a cop out, but there's not a set checklist that you've got to be able to hit in order to do it because it's always dependent upon what the other teams are doing around you that are in the bubble and dependent on bid thieves or whatever. So I'm always hesitant to say like, oh, when everybody wants you to say like win two more games and you're in, it's not like there's a finish line where you've like, I've won two more games and I've surpassed this. Um, you know, this, this set mark that I have to get in order to do it. So I, I guess I would start with that. Um, so for one, absolutely have to, in my eyes, have to win at least one of the Big Ten tournament. Um, you look at either, whether it's Ohio State or Minnesota, those are both teams that are in the NCAA tournament conversation. Not sure where they are in the net as of today, but probably likely both on the border of like a quad one or quad two win based on a, a neutral court game. There, um, winning would then set you up to play uh, Michigan State again, if I'm understanding the uh, Big Ten bracket correctly. So, yep, uh, you know, cue the hard to beat a team three times in a season, people out there for uh, to, for that to be said. But yeah, I think the way this team has done it and kind of taking it one game at a time, I think one is a minimum. Uh, Jerry Palm had an interesting uh, post. I think it was yesterday. It kind of talked about some of the historical precedent of teams that have gotten in and. Um, would encourage people to go out and, and read that. And many of the things don't necessarily bode well for IU this season. Every season is unique, but it does give at least some historical guidance of 
you know, these are typically been good indicators in the past versus what they are. Um, so I, I think that's, that's important. The committee chair, I guess, was on at, the, at halftime of the Cincinnati and Houston game today uh, and, and made some comment to the effect of uh, being, you know, really diligent about understanding, you know, guys or coaches that had missed games at different points and Ooh, trying good. to take that into account, which they always do. Um, it may have only just been in uh, in relation to Zion Williamson um, because I'm not sure there are any other injuries in college basketball. Because everything matter. in college basketball yes, is in relation exactly. to Zion Williamson. College basketball is you know what something that everything else revolves around. So yeah, you can't. They are um, crushing so a beautiful thing. To that. In yeah. Zion Williamson, the media is crushing a beautiful thing. Like he is so much fun to watch, and he's so good, and he, they're just making it oh so unwatchable. I, I separate it. I love Zion. I hate I all do the too. other stuff. It's it's yeah. it's hard not to. And he's you know what I, I'll say about him? He's a kid who could have shut it down and quit. He could have quit Duke, and he wants to go win a national title. So all hats off to him. I hope he doesn't do it, but all hats off to him for for sticking with it. He's a good kid. So, so in terms of answering your other question about other teams around them on the bubble, which is probably the, uh, the at least the easier one to answer. Uh, if you look at yesterday, you know, Florida losing helps. Um, Seton Hall winning did not. NC State winning it kind of helps. I think they they play Clemson in the uh, first round of the AC, their first not the first round but the first game their first game of the ACC tournament. That's a potential you know elimination type game where one of them is going to get another loss. They're both is right Belmont around the cut in? line. I, that, that's a tough one to me. I, I mean. They they swept Lipscomb. Uh, they did win at UCLA, which I think they thought would be a bigger win uh, earlier on. But they have a couple quad three losses. So it, while it UCLA's there. players were actively it's, trying to get Steve Alford fired, I believe uh, that's speculation. Uh, it, it could be there, but you know. Uh, so I think it's, it's well when you sweep Lipscomb, how do you not get in? It's, they haven't beaten. It, it, it's difficult though. I mean, I do. You know, you stand back and you look at how the deck is stacked against some of these mid major teams and. Uh, in a season with a weak bubble, do you do you look at that and say, hey, maybe these guys deserve a chance to be in? The challenge for them is like those are really their their most notable wins. They did win at Murray State uh, and their other meeting, but other than that, they really don't have a whole lot of marquee wins to hang their hat on. Although they do have a winning record against you know quadrant one and two combined, maybe even each of those individually. So uh, I I would lean toward not having them in, but I do think they're right there in that conversation uh, at this point without digging into it a whole lot. So. Uh, Alabama, if they would lose another game in the SEC tournament, would be one that might play their way out. Uh, Texas and TCU, uh, TCU won when when they matched up yesterday. I feel like they're a little bit safer. Um, Texas, though, is kind of fighting against history with the you know volume of losses and things like that. So those teams are there. You know, you'd want Temple to lose in the in the American, and then like the entire Big East is somehow associated with the bubble. So. Georgetown gets a big win yesterday at Marquette. Creighton, uh, Creighton is in the mix as well. So uh, the problem is, if those teams lose, they're going to lose to another Big East team that's also kind of around the bubble. So it's a little <laughs> bit hard to figure out, like you know, make up a cheat sheet of who you should root for and against at that point, because pretty much everybody in the Big East is in a little bit of the conversation. So I, I think a lot of people talked about things not going well for IU in, in terms of the bubble yesterday. I don't necessarily think that was true. It wasn't a terrific day for them from a bubble perspective, but I don't think it was completely bad because some of the other teams did lose so it's starting to take shape a little bit more i think if um you know tournament started today i think they would would have a reasonable chance to be in at this point they've gotten to that three games over 500 mark that we we've touched on um and and again if the committee takes into account some of the injuries and things like that that's an arduous task for a team like iu that's had a revolving door of guys in and out but uh i do think seeing what the team's doing now at full strength 
will have an impression. How much of an impression remains to be seen. Um, but I think it gets dicey if they lose the first game in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, I want to. I, I just want to say that. Forget it. Let's just go win the Big Ten tournament. This has been the op. This has been opposite year where we beat Wisconsin and Sweet Michigan State and lose to all the teams we should beat. I, let's just go win the Big Ten tournament. Why? Why not? Why this year? Why not? I mean, why not? I would normally be very upset with you for saying something crazy like that about the Big Ten tournament, but I find myself feeling both exhilarated and terrified by this weird sense of confidence that I have about the Big Ten tournament. Oh, when it's you're very strange. Never a good thing. It's, God, it's Morris. Very, no, oh. that's no, no, no. I'm My kidding. confidence has been a great thing a lot of times on the show, but it is weird. Like to sit here at like we've had much better teams, like record wise, heading into the Big Ten tournament that I was terrified. I feel good about it. Like it, it feels well, like the way that we're playing right now. And again, you know, you're one bad performance away from all the bad memories flooding back. But this does feel like a team that is peaking at the right time and ready to play well, its best basketball right now. And Michigan State, let's say you get past that first game, which is never a guarantee with Indiana, of course, in the Big Ten tournament. But you get past, you get Michigan State. Nick Ward will be back. They've kind of gotten into a rhythm without him. He's going to be back. You're kind of forcing him. Well, they think he's going to be back. You'll be forcing him sort of back into that rotation, which isn't a bad thing for them but it's going to be interesting to see how a guy like Tillman reacts to having his minutes cut and you know it coming off the bench instead of starting um but also that's a team Indiana's beat twice I know it's hard to beat a team three times and the stats one, actually don't back that up by the way oh really no now no. I mean a lot of that though is probably like teams that are really good beating a team that isn't very yeah. good three times I don't know what it is if you're the underdog both times but, but overall also, the stats don't back that up don't the top seeds in the Big Ten tournament have like a really bad record over the last couple of years too? I mean, or or my imagine I thought somebody said that the other day that that number one seeds in that early game on Friday don't do particularly well, or at least they're good close games. Well, and, Michigan came out of the eight nine game and won it last year, didn't they? Yeah, is that last so, year that, that happened? I think so. Um, but yeah, it's you know anything can happen in a tournament setting, and especially again, it, this might be a good time for IU to catch somebody on an early game as opposed to being the ones that have to play the early game when you want to play a night game. I mean, you say anything can happen. The one thing that hasn't happened in the Big Ten tournament is Indiana actually going and winning the damn thing, so let's just do it. Hey, let's just do it. Why I'm, not? I mean, I mean we're certainly take, due for a I good know. showing in the Big Ten tournament. There's no other way to put that. I I mean, take take it one game at a time, but you know, I feel good about it. So this brings up an interesting question. So Indiana plays the early game Thursday, so we obviously have the post-game show after that. Um, the question is then, do we record Assembly Call Radio Thursday night? <laughs> no, we should. <laughs> Maybe we should. A, a special bracketology edition of Assembly Call Radio to uh, break down the implications if Indiana wins on Thursday. Here's what, well, do we want to do this after the show's over and discuss our schedule? <laughs> well, I just, I'm just throwing it out there for something quick, not if it's going to require a long discussion. Well, what I would say, my suggestion would be do our radio show after the game, and then we could do a special sort of quick bracketology thing from Andy afterwards. We, we don't need to do a whole hour-long episode of of what Indiana's chances are in bracketology, I don't think. Do we? Yeah, probably. Well, I don't know. It's going to be what, complicated at that point. But Let's be honest. What, what am I going to contribute to that show? Nothing. Just, exactly. So I'll just skip <laughs> out. You guys do it. I'm liking the idea more and more. I don't know. Uh, no. <laughs> Bring yeah, Coach I, on and do like a quick half hour, like, you know, update. All right. Well, we'll, yeah, we, we'll, we'll, we'll have content for you. We will have post-game content. We will probably have additional content because it's March, and that's what we do. We sacrifice sleep and time with our families to provide content. And hopefully we, ha we can do that for a long time. Because well, that means... That, you made that sound really sad. We no. Sleep and time with our families just for you. 
I mean, that's what every college basketball writer and analyst does this time of year. I'm just being realistic about it. (laughs) It just is what it is. Uh, Okay, let's wrap up. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Remember that because you're an Assembly Call listener, you get 15% off your entire order at HoosierProud.com and at HomeFieldApparel.com. So if you want officially licensed IU gear, go to HomeFieldApparel.com. And if you want one of our Assembly Call logo t-shirts or one of Hoosier Proud's unique Indiana-inspired designs, visit HoosierProud.com. And on both sites, use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout for 15% off your entire order. All right, guys. It is time for last call. Final thoughts on this Indiana victory. Andy, you go first. Well, again, I feel like we've gotten on here. I've said the same thing the last few games, but uh, it's really impressive to see how this team has somehow uh, picked itself up off the mat yet again. Archie mentioned that in his comments before uh, before senior day uh, or before the, the speeches and things like that. So, uh, you know, they, they did what they needed to do down the stretch, and hopefully that can continue uh, with the uh, newfound offensive firepower and uh, hopefully defense ratchets itself back up a little bit to where it was against Wisconsin and Michigan State as we head into the Big Ten tournament. And and one of the things that becomes intriguing for a tournament setting that we've talked about a lot in this game is the depth that has finally manifested itself for this team after uh, being a deficiency for a good part of the year based on all the injuries and things like that. I think if you're going to be able to make a run uh, over the course of a tournament and in, in IU's case would have to win four games in four days to do it, you don't do that with the short rotation. You need guys to be able to come in and step up and be able to rely on people. And that's the one thing that has been there uh, for this team during this late season stretch, and certainly hope that is uh, that is something that we'll see continue as the team heads to Chicago. But hopefully, they can get a little bit of rest. And uh, you know, once again, thanks to the seniors, uh, these guys have given a lot to the program for varying degrees of time uh, and for in in varying roles uh, over the course of that. But I really, uh, you know, a, a fun group of guys. It's as you said, a hard part to you know, bittersweet to watch some of these guys go. But I, it's hard to imagine a better performance on Senior Day. Uh, than, than what Juwan Morgan showed in this game. Uh, and, and so many things that he showed on the court were just emblematic of the things that he showed over the course of his career at IU and the uh, the, the lengthy list of achievements that they rattled off as he was standing there where he kind of he felt like he started to get embarrassed because he just kept going and going and going uh, with what he had done, but just seems to be, uh, by all measures, an outstanding young man, an outstanding basketball player, and uh, looking forward to seeing what I hope is a lot more games of his before his uh, career officially comes to an end. Ryan, last call. Yeah, I just think a great finish to this season for this Indiana team. They they could have packed it up and gone home and 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 just, you know, the seniors could have checked out and the young guys could have just started looking forward to next season uh, after that Minnesota game. They didn't. They they, you know, fought in two tough losses and then they've reeled off four in a row uh to really put themselves in a position to make this uh to make the tournament and and quite frankly with all they've dealt with this year it'd be great uh, tribute to them if they came back and were able to put themselves in in the NCAA tournament. I think we all want that. I think we're all pushing hard for that. And and there's no one we're pushing harder for it for than Jawan Morgan, who I think deserves to get back to the NCAA tournament. Uh, he's uh, he's a guy who has exemplified what Indiana basketball is all about. Came from, and, and he wasn't an Indiana guy. He came from Missouri. You know, I mean, it's just proof that you can you can be a great Hoosier from anywhere. And, and he did. He is. And um, a guy who even in his speech said something about, you know, there were times where I wanted to transfer. I think I think every kid who comes to Indiana from somewhere else who's 18, 19, uh, maybe even 20 is gets homesick at some point and, and, and wants to check out and, and change things. And he relied on his friends on the team to, to push him to stay. And thank God they did, because he's a guy who is so much fun to watch. And. I, I've been so impressed with him, not just as a 
a basketball player, his development, but, but as a person as well, he's, his parents did a fantastic job. And, uh, you know, he, he thanked, you know, he and some of the other guys all thanked Tom Crean in, in their speeches. And I think I have to thank Tom Crean for, for picking Jawan Morgan too, and bringing him in because he's been a guy that, uh, has just been such a great addition to this program. And, now to the program's history is as we mentioned he's in the top 10 you know a bunch of top 10 lists and he's one of the top 30 scorers and all that stuff and uh that'll never go away those will always those marks will always be there um and he's got a chance to add to them uh as they go to chicago this week this is a team that just looks like it is not done it looks like a team that's just getting going and and so uh hopefully they can reverse some of that um some of that bad luck that we've seen from the big 10 tournament in the past and uh uh you know, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be watching. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to roll. And, uh, if there was ever a season for this team to make a run in the big 10 tournament and have a good showing, it's this one where everything seemingly has been flipped on its head. Uh, this team is playing like it did in November and, and December. And, and, you know, the guys who got it, the, the run that got us so excited about this team. So, uh, let's, let's hope they can go finish it out, uh, on Thursday and uh, play a big one on Thursday and then get us lined up on Friday with a, with a great team and see what can happen. Absolutely. By the way, I have breaking bractology news here. Zach Osterman just tweeted this out. It's from Bart Torvik's website where he basically, you know, takes a team's NCAA tournament resume and compares it to other teams, the most similar profiles of the 10 teams with the most similar resumes to Indiana. Nine of them were at large teams. Uh, Three of them were nine seeds. You got a few 10 seeds, a few 11 seeds. And a few of those teams actually did some things. Arizona made a Sweet 16. Florida State made an Elite Eight. A couple teams made the round of 32. So at least according to that tool at Bart Torvik's site, Indiana, as we know, trending in the right direction. But now when you look at similar resumes, the vast majority of those teams did make the tournament. So have to see. Indiana's going to have to keep winning. But that is at least another uh, another positive NCAA tournament note here as we end today. And, uh, you know, I echo what you guys both say. It's, uh, it's, it's been a pleasure watching Juwan Morgan play basketball. It's been a pleasure, you know, covering him as we do on this post game show from, you know, guy who played sparingly early in his freshman year to, uh, you know, kind of joining OG Ananobi and really providing a shot in the arm, uh, for that 2016 team, uh, especially on the defensive end, you know, where it was noticeable when those two guys were in the game in about the middle part of the season, it's like, wow, the defense gets a lot better when those two guys are playing. Uh, you know, and seeing him battle through the shoulder injuries and the other injuries that he suffered. And then, you know, what he's been able to do the last two years under Archie Miller being the focal point of the offense, sometimes to the point where it felt like the other, you know, all five defensive players were just kind of selling out to stop him. Uh, And he, you know, all through it all was tough. You know, Warriors, a word that that gets thrown around a lot with him, but to battle uh, what he's had to battle and now to, you know, help lead this team out of the depths of losing 12 of 13 to finish strong four in a row, to give themselves a chance, you know, heading in here to the Big Ten tournament to make a run, to win some games, to possibly make the NCAA tournament and fulfill, you know, the promise that he made at the start of the season. It would be a fitting uh, conclusion to to Jawan Morgan's Indiana career to fulfill that promise, to lead this team to the NCAA tournament. You know, it's like, you know, with, with you know guys like Yogi Ferrell and all these guys, you know, you you want to make the tournament because you want to be in the tournament. But man, like I just want to spend forty more minutes with them as players, as a fan watching a player play, and then forty minutes after that, and forty minutes after that, Juwan's given us so many great moments. It's been such a pleasure to watch him play. Uh, and I hope, even though we won't see him play, hopefully at home anymore, I hope we still have many, many more games to watch and enjoy him play uh, and to see him lead this team to victory here as we close out the rest of this season. 
All right, that'll do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. You can also subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We'll be back on Thursday to talk about Indiana's Big Ten tournament opener. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. Go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> AutoTrader.